This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to your Thursday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 19th day of August, and I am so happy that you stopped by. We're going to talk about a boatload of things today. We're going to talk about, uh, does Terrell Owens still have a little gas in the tank? It's been 11 years since he's been on the gridiron, but he's suggesting he might be able to come back. Go figure. The Blue Jays, what a difference a week makes. All of a sudden, they're back in the fray with a bunch of other teams that are a little bit hotter than they are right now. The road has been a nasty mistress to them over the last couple of days. And we will also get into football of the Canadian variety. Yeah, we're going to talk NHL and so much more. But let me get you to that one story that rises just a little bit above the rest. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. Okay, so yesterday here in British Columbia, in particular Vancouver, it was a really big day if you're a football fan, and I cannot stress this enough because for the last several years, the challenges for the BC Lions being a little bit lethargic, a little bit slow to the party, have usually focused around ownership. And the fact that David Braley was starting to get on, was starting to get late in life, and just didn't want to loosen his grip on this organization in the ways that he felt it should be run. Now, I don't want to speak ill of those who have passed, because we all know that David Braley was an institution in the Canadian Football League, and trust me, the things that he did far outweigh the things that he did not. But you can't help but think with a new young owner in Amar Doman and his team that there is potential that this organization could get the breath of fresh air that it needs. Now, he's a lumber guy. He's a building materials guy. Not necessarily known that well in sporting circles, but we're going to get to know him in short order because the BC Lions transfer of ownership is going to happen very quickly. And realistically, you got a guy with deep pockets, a guy that has wanted this football team for many years, even trying to get it from David Braley when he was still with us. I like it. I like it a lot. And I like it for a couple of different reasons. One, because obviously it breathes fresh air into this organization. Two, it's outside of the box. It's not just the usual suspect showing up with the deep pockets who's going to do the same old thing that everybody else has done. Like, for example, if Francesco would have bought the BC Lions, we would have all said, oh, great, here we go again. But I like the fact that I don't know who Amar Dolman is because now I'm going to see what he's about. Now I'm going to see some new ideas that maybe I'm not used to seeing and hopefully it will resuscitate the BC Lions and bring life into the Canadian Football League. Listen, one of the things that I learned while working with the Vancouver Canadians is you have to put your cards on the table. Tell your fan base what you are and tell your fan base what you are not. It is one of the successful reasons that the Canadians have been able to sell out almost every single game at Nat Bailey Stadium for more than a decade. Why? Because they didn't try to be the same as the Whitecaps or the Lions or the Canucks. They knew what they were. It was a baseball team attached to a restaurant that is called Nat Bailey Stadium. And that is what it is. You're there for the beer, the hot dogs, the sunshine. And if the baseball on the field's good, well, that's just an added bonus. If the BC Lions can step to the forefront and say, listen, we understand what we've been over the last 80, 90 years or however long it's been since they've been in the Canadian Football League. 
but we are going to do this a little bit differently. We're going to go a bit unconventional, but trust us, give us three to five years, and we are going to find what our identity is. We can't be what we were previously. And I think I've heard a couple of different sports radio shows say this. If they come back and do the exact same thing, they are destined for failure. They have to do something different. Listen, I just started a wrestling company. I'm 47 years old, and I went from professional baseball to hosting a late-night radio show to starting a wrestling company. But do you know why I think I can make it work? Because I'm not in the wrestling business. I'm not a guy from the wrestling industry. I understand it. I respect it. But I've got different ideas. Instead of opening up the Sapperton Lodge and welcoming 150 people into that place, asking for 20 bucks, hoping that the mice don't come out while the match is going on and just getting by by the skin of my teeth, I aligned myself with the gaming stadium. I aligned myself with people that were technologically advanced, that knew the stuff that I didn't know, so that I could reach out to a demographic that really is looking for something different. So my hope is that the BC Lions follow suit because it's that kind of mindset that I think is going to be able to at least connect them. I'm not saying that the people will accept them, but you've got to at least connect. And it's not necessarily about just putting out cool content on social media. It's not necessarily just about being on TSN. You've got to resonate. You've got to make somebody who's sitting at home on their couch or at work say, you know what, I'm going to get up out of my seat and I'm going to physically walk to that building and get it done. Here's the recipe that worked for the Vancouver Canadians, and I think it's a recipe that the BC Lions need to take a look at. Reduce the cost of your parking. Nobody should have to pay $30 to $40 before they even walk in your building just to make sure that they can show up. And don't think that fans are solely going to arrive on SkyTrain and buses. People still drive because it's convenient. They can keep their family together. So find a way to get it from $40 to $10 or $15, and I promise you, you will see your gate go up. I'm not lying to you. The parking is one of the biggest detriments to the BC Lions right now because it is just so astronomically expensive in and around Vancouver. Now, the food is too expensive. The beer is too expensive. The venue is too expensive as a whole. You've got to find a way to reduce your prices. You've got to find a way to slam it down. Make your money on volume. Don't make your money on the one-off that somebody's going to pay $11.50 for a beer. I repeat... $11.50 for a highball. Can't do it. These are families that are already paying $50 to $60 for your ticket, that have already paid $40 to park at your venue, and when they come in, you gotta treat them like gold. For example, in Atlanta, you think of what Arthur Blank has been able to do down there with the Falcons. $1 hot dogs, $1 ice cream sandwiches, unlimited pot for a dollar. He doesn't care once you get in if he's going to beat you on F&B. He just wants you at the game. He understands the reality. He understands his community. And he has sellouts at Mercedes-Benz Stadium every single game. And not just because it's the NFL. Because now fans of all ages and of all fiscal categories can be a part of the celebration. You can't just cater to the white collars. You have to be willing to eat it in some facets of this if you want to make this operation successful. Hey, you want 18,000 fans? Keep doing what you're doing. You want 40,000 fans, 42, 43,000 fans? Then you've got to do something that allows them to keep money in their pocket and not have to debate whether or not they're going to go. It's an absolute certainty that they can go because they can afford to go and they look forward to the action when they get there. Hey, you do those things. I don't care if you got a shitty team on the field, to be honest with you, because people will go for the experience and the celebration of the game. 
But if you think that it's all about hardcores and which quarterback can go 33 or 35, you're missing the point. Vancouver's not that city. Vancouver's that city for hockey, but that's about it. Everybody goes to a BC Lions game because A, they want to take their family or they want to be a part of something special. Make it something special and you will have the keys to this city for as long as you want it. Got to remember the history of ownership when it comes to the BC Lions hasn't just been David Braley. There's been some snake oil salesmen along the way as well, but I believe in Amar Toman. I look at his track record over the last day or two and say, you know what? That's a guy. That's a guy that might be able to do some things that are unconventional and that are different and that are youthful. But more than anything, I promise you, the bread and butter of elevating your events have always been the same. Give me a clean bathroom. Give me a quick place to park. Make sure that your food is good and affordable, and I will be there multiple times in a year. You take care of the general basics, and you will have a fan base for life. If you don't and just think that your ticket sales are the almighty dollar, you can be counting nickels instead of toonies. All right, let's switch gears. Let me take you to that one part of this bar. You know where we're about to go, all right? So button up your shirt. Make sure you look in the part. This is where the ballers hang out, all right? We're going to go to that one part of the sports bar where we keep all the news of the day. Let me get you to the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. All right, let's start on the ice. And Owen Power is opting to go back to the University of Michigan for his sophomore season. Sounds like it's pretty mutual agreement between the Buffalo Sabres who took him at number one and his representation. Now, he was the NHL Central Scouting Bureau's number one ranked North American prospect, had three goals, 13 helpers in 26 games during his freshman campaign at Michigan, but where he was really thrust in the spotlight was helping Canada win the 2021 World Hockey Championships. You gotta think, with the current state of where the Buffalo Sabres are, there is absolutely unequivocally no rush on Power's part to get into the Sabres organization. Hey, he's not gonna be an Eric Lindros, but at the same time, there is no doubt about this, that going back to Michigan probably comes with less of a black cloud than it is going into the Sabres organization that is in complete disarray, complete turmoil. Jack Eichel's wanting out. Everybody's all over the map within this organization. I think it's one of the smartest moves that Power can do to simply go back and play more hockey. And hard to believe it's just his sophomore year at the University of Michigan. Now, the news came out the other day about the fact that the NHL is probably going to add sponsor patches on jerseys for next season. Not this season coming up, but for the next season. The Board of Governors unanimously approving the move, according to reports. And immediately that had people in Vancouver thinking, well, what kind of patch would they go? You got to assume that it's Rogers, the same one that's on the helmet. And yes, Rogers got all the money to go out there and add it for, I don't know what the price tag is going to be on this. I would assume a couple of million dollars to put your name right on the coveted Vancouver Canucks jersey. It was very funny and uh, very comical yesterday to look through social media and see everything from the number five orange to the Roxy, all of the potential names that are out there. But I have got to think that it would be staggering if it wasn't, in fact, Rogers, who just continues to put their mark on Vancouver's hockey team. Well, more and more organizations are doing this. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, obviously the latest to do it, where they said effective mid-September, uh, all employees, staff, and guests are going to be required to provide proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test. And that includes access to the arena, the stadium, 
and the restaurants. I got to think that Vancouver's going to hold serve on this, and they're going to do exactly the same thing. There is a faction of fans out there that might be up at arms with that, but I got to think right now, considering the teeter-totter that this province is on, that there would be many people that would be completely fine showing their vaccination card or a negative COVID test. If not, well, unfortunately, the game is on TV, and that is probably where you're going to have to watch it. Uh, uh, with my organization, New Extreme Wrestling, we have decided that fans will have to have a mask with them. All of our athletes are going to have to show a negative test or a vaccination card. Well, EA Sports 2022, just a couple of months away from making their way to the shelves across all of those different gaming stores that you see, EB Games and what have you. And it sounds as if Austin Matthews is going to once again grace the cover again. It'll be his second time. I'm a little surprised with this. No longer associated with EA Sports. I can finally come to the forefront and say, listen, even though I'm a Maple Leafs fan, yes, boo hiss, I'm a little surprised that that is where they're going to go. Now, yes, Austin Matthews scored more goals than anybody else in the National Hockey League last year, so maybe to the victor goes the spoils, but I just don't get it. I just think with all of that amazing talent that they have in Colorado, Tampa Bay, Austin Matthews, for me, just doesn't resonate, or at least off of a team that hasn't made it out of the first round in more than a decade. I just think there's other guys out there. Like, how would you not have somebody like Kucherov or... You might even want to put a goaltender on there. But I digress. It's all about sales. And trust me, the guys over at EA Sports completely know what they're doing. Now to the hardwood, I'm going to start with the Canadian Elite Basketball League that is currently in their postseason right now. The Fraser Valley Bandits, one of the teams making their way to Edmonton for championship weekend. And we wish them all the luck. But the league announcing this week that they are adding yet another team into their fold, which goes by the name of the Scarborough Shooting Stars. Now, Scarborough, East Toronto, for those who maybe aren't geographically savvy, created by Nicholas Nico Carino, who grew up in Scarborough, one of the co-founders of the famed clothing and lifestyle brand OVO, which is Drake's line. The ownership group is super successful, really renowned in the greater Toronto area, so I can understand why they are excited on the east side of Toronto, but the Scarborough Shooting Stars? As a dude that grew up in Scarborough, I can assure you, I would have been cool if they named them the Scarborough Stars, the Scarborough anything else with an S, snakes, you name it, it'd be fine. The term shooting, as in shooting stars, is what many in Scarborough right now are raising their eyebrows at. Yes, shooting stars look up at the sky. It totally makes sense, and it's a great logo. A little bit of light blue and black and a little bit of silver as well. But the word shooting within the Scarborough shooting stars is a little bit tongue-in-cheek just based on the fact that over the years, Scarborough has had a bit of a challenge when it comes to gun violence, and that is being pointed out significantly on social media. I don't know. Is it an issue? Is it not an issue? I'm assuming it's not an issue, but I guess for those who actually know the area of Scarborough, it's one of those things that at least made you raise your eyebrows a little bit and just be like, hmm, interesting choice. Well, despite Canada's lackluster effort in getting into the Olympic Games, or shall we say not getting into the Olympic Games, Canadian's men's basketball program moving up three spots to number 18 in FIBA's world rankings and is now placed fifth in the Americas behind the U.S., Argentina, Brazil, and Venezuela. Canada did make the FIBA Olympic qualifying tournament semifinal, losing to the Czech Republic. Slovenia had the biggest climb. They went up 12 spots to number four. That largely because Luka Doncic helped Slovenia to fourth at the Olympic Games. 
All right, to the diamond we go, and boy, a couple of weeks ago, the Toronto Blue Jays were on fire. Everybody talking about this team is maybe turning the corner. What a tough road trip to all of a sudden change their fortunes. Three and six were the Toronto Blue Jays, including losses to Seattle last Friday and Saturday and losing both ends of a two-game series against the Washington Nationals, now getting ready to head home to open up a seven-game series against the Tigers and then the White Sox. This is the season for the Toronto Blue Jays, who woke up this morning... Four and six in their past ten, losers of two in a row, and now four games back in the wild card with about 40 games to go this Major League season. The fact is, yes, they're still very much in the conversation, but they did not do themselves any favors, especially when you think of the White Sox leading their division. They're set to come to Rogers Center in a couple of days, and the Yankees, hot as a pistol, they have won six in a row, climbing into second over the Yankees in the American League East. So let's just say, as good as it's been for Toronto and as bad as it's been for Toronto, there are a number of teams that they're going to have to jump over if they're going to grab one of those two wildcard spots. And again, games now at a premium, four back with about 40 or so to go. Seattle Mariners, they're going the opposite way. They're 7-3 in their past 10 winners of their last two, three games out in the wildcard playoff. Five and a half back of Houston in the American League West. Seattle's had a great season, and not a lot of people are talking about them right now, largely because their offense doesn't do a whole lot, but their pitching has been somewhat suspect, but yet they find ways to win games. Who's as hot as the Yankees right now? Atlanta. They're 9-1 in their past 10. They've won six, opened it up a three-and-a-half game lead on Philadelphia in the National League East. Another team as hot as a pistol, the Dodgers. Despite the Trevor Bauer saga going on, despite the fact that their pitching is really the proverbial crapshoot with Clayton Kershaw and company dealing with injuries, they have won six in a row, 9-1 in their past 10, and are three games back of San Francisco in the very competitive National League West. Who's the team that is struggling the most? Well, how about this? Baltimore has lost 14 games in a row. The once proud organization with 38 wins this season. A massive 35 games out of first place. If there was ever a season that you'd want to split into two, the Baltimore Orioles would be the first team to sign up for that. They do it in the minor leagues, but yet they refuse to do that in the major leagues. And very quickly, Terrell Owens saying that he is 100% sure that he can still play in the NFL, telling TMZ Sports that he wants a team to sign him and give him a chance to play as soon as possible. The 47-year-old Hall of Famer saying that he's still in amazing shape, claiming to have run a 4-4 40-yard dash just days ago, and that if a team signs him, they will not be disappointed. He has not played a regular season down in the NFL since 2010. But that year, he did rack up 983 yards, nine touchdowns on 72 catches. Owen says he has actually gotten a little bit of interest from at least one, quote, individual in the NFL this summer, who the wideout says told him to stay in shape for the possibility of signing this year. You got to wonder if he's serious or if this is just trying to stay in the news as he's getting ready to launch a new season of Get Your Popcorn Ready with T.O. and Hatch, which is found on Fubo Sports Network. All right, let's take a break here. My thanks to Equity Guru for making this show possible. My thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another. More Sports Bar Radio coming up after this. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by me and my new enterprise, Nation Extreme Wrestling. Hey, what would happen if a wrestling mark from way back decided that he was going to start his own wrestling promotion here at home and have some of the most talented wrestlers in North America hang out with him? 
We'll tell you what, you can follow our journey at www.nationextremewrestling.com and stay tuned for show dates in the coming months. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with host Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity.Guru. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio. I'm Rob Fay. It is your Thursday edition of our fine show. And yes, you know what we do on Thursdays. We throw it back a little bit. I think that phrase can be used in a couple of different contexts. But anyways, we like to go into the vault and pull back interviews that we've done previously. I go a little bit further back, even into my days hosting Rob Fay Nation Radio. And that is where I find this interview. Now, you know that Chris Perry and I have started a company called Nation Extreme Wrestling. I think I only dropped that three to four times a show. But anyways, um, one of our great, great managers. I think he's one of the best managers in Canada when it comes to managing wrestlers within the squared circle. He goes by the name of Christopher Cassidy in the ring, Mike Kovac on the outside. I had a chance to catch up with him and just talk all things wrestling, both kayfabe and, of course, just as guy to guy. And it was such a fun interview. It was about 20, 25 minutes, and we got into all different kinds of things. He got into character. He popped out of character. And I just thought it was worth your time. NEW is going to be putting their tickets on sale next week for their first event, which is September the 11th. I do hope that you come out and support us. It's going to be in Richmond at the Gaming Stadium. I want you to learn a little bit about one of our personalities. He goes by the name of Chris Cassidy, and he joined me on Rob Fay Nation Radio a couple of months ago. Uh, do enjoy. Sports Bar Radio, I am Rob Fay, and I can tell already there's some wrestling guys out there that are like, this is awesome. And I know if you're a Canuck fan, you're thinking, oh, don't worry about it. Come on back tomorrow. But I'm telling you, Chris Cassidy, fantastic storyteller. Christopher Cassidy, were you here in Vancouver when Becky Lynch, which of course is now the man, were you here when she did her tour in the Pacific Northwest? Very sadly, I was not. I kind of heard about that after the fact there and was very regretful not to have been around at that point in time. Obviously, she's doing fairly well. I would say I wish that people could uh, hear sarcasm over the radio better than than, than that I just gave. <laughs> but uh, no, she's doing fantastic. I wish that I was around at that point in time. She's such a hard worker. Uh, she's certainly put in her time. And uh, uh, the fate's willing, I hope, that her career is long as she wants it to be. Because, yeah, she's, she loves it. It's got to be a big deal when yeah. somebody makes it through. Like, for example, on a lesser scale, because right now she's a headliner. But, you know, the Bollywood Boys oh, yeah. have made their way through. Be they the Singh brothers are now making their way back to the Bollywood Boys again. Obviously, when you see somebody make their way through. And I'm, I, we'll even talk about New Japan and yeah. uh, AEW and all that stuff. But anytime one of your guys makes it to the main circuit, what, what goes through the room? Well, everybody, you know, it's certainly a sense of pride that, you know, people can say to, the, to you know, themselves and each other and whoever. They're like, yeah, we work, you know, we work together and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, we're all kind of stepping stones on each other's journeys as we go through but yeah it's it's thrilling especially when when people are great to work with mm -hmm. and you wish them well and you want them to to do well um mentioned him earlier on el phantasmo i was positioned immediately as el phantasmo's manager and i cannot think of a better silver platter in terms of like success to walk in on there i got to be the manager for him and ravenous randy or sorry uh, for him in his match against ravenous randy for the title at the first commodore ballroom which was awesome oh and we, i was there for that that's the one where they came off the balcony right that yeah that was balcony that happened and uh it was if i'm not mistaken there was a ladder match that was the main event between the two of them unbelievable yeah i still remember to this conversation do you think you got that rub with him because he wasn't good on the mic? 
Do you think that was actually advantageous to both of you? I think, well, just that I was uh, around for a, you can see it online. Uh, it is, or sorry, you can see the trailer for it online. It was this thing that we were doing called Wrestlevention, which was a, a mocking, I guess, of intervention uh, that focused on Ravenous Randy Myers as this wrestling-obsessed fan uh, and wrestler that wrestling was, like, dominating his life. The spin on it was was that wrestling was actually improving his life in every way possible, and all the people that were trying to tell him to stop were the ones that were really holding him back. And I, uh, I was the, uh, the, the, the heel in that production. From there... I sort of just got folded in. He's like, well, do you want to do more stuff? He was like, yeah, absolutely, I for sure do. And then it, it was just a flicking of a switch. There's like, and you're LP's manager. And I think it was because at that point in time, they just needed some stipulation done as to why LP was either getting a title shot or why he was back as the number one contender and what better person to do that than a legal advisor, a lawyer like myself to actually be able to get it in there. And, you know, you'd have to ask other individuals. Maybe it was just the plan to like, well, okay, we'll keep him around for like, you know, a week or so or whatever, and that'll be it. And then it just stuck. Uh, and I was very fortunate for that to be the case. I get to work with LP and this litany of other individuals and uh, just kind of been around with you ever since and very happy about that. And nobody does just one thing when you come to wrestling. Like if you're not helping set up the snack bar or the actual mat itself, you're, uh, I would assume that you're in on creative I would, it's, it's, that was kind of an interesting side of things there because obviously there's the booking committee and whatnot and what's going on and, and I do not have a hand in that, uh, uh, but uh, they have been very uh, good in terms of uh, hitting, these are kind of the, the story points that we need to make, how do you want to do that, um, uh, especially when it comes to getting on the mic and, and doing things like that. Uh, and I've been very grateful for that opportunity to, to do that. I think that um, if you don't have that room then you get the danger of everybody kind of sounding like they have one voice um Hmm. uh portrayal wise and uh and people have good ideas and it being a conglomerate of people of when like yeah well what if we did that exposes good ideas and it also shoots down bad ideas ideally you can bounce it off people and go like we're gonna do this have somebody turn back to go like this the stupidest idea in the world Mm -hmm. where would we go from there i think that's important so what are your thoughts on that fire promo that jake the snake did on aew christopher cassidy i will defer to you uh, okay I am a huge fan of Jake the Snake's uh, promo work. I thought it was uh, uh, not a perfect promo. That being said, I don't know if I can point to like a perfect promo there. There was some rough around the edges parts of it there. But it was absolutely Jake the Snake. We're talking about it today, and I think that so many people are talking about it because it was so solid and so great. When Jake was through town a couple of years ago, um, uh, I got the extreme benefit of sitting in on a seminar of his where he was talking about promos and whatnot and kind of how he develops them and has developed them in the past. And I'm a big fan of, of, of what he has to offer and, the that again, that idea of everybody finding their own voice when it comes to wrestling and how Taker does a promo is going to be different than how Michaels does a promo, which is going to be different how, than how Orton does a promo, and that's good. That's where you get really interesting stuff. You get people that don't do any promos whatsoever because either they have a manager or their actions speak louder than words, and we're going to get people to extrapolate their own thoughts on it, and all of that is good. Past tense and current tense. Mm. Who are your favorite promo guys 
historically yep. and in the game right now. Okay. Uh, for me, my number one right now is uh, um, Heyman. Uh, I'm just going to say it there. Like, he is, uh, I think that he's got such uh, an interesting, He's got, okay, he's got the history behind him. Uh, he's got a unique stance on things when it comes to uh, looking at the business today. I think that he very much uh, uh, is, is still in love with it in a lot of ways, which is fantastic. And then looking back on things in the past, uh, I hated Michaels so much. And I mean that in the most complimentary way I possibly can when it comes to Shawn Michaels. As a Bret Hart fan, I just couldn't stand him. And, uh, you know, you can look at things and go like he was getting cheap heat and whatnot, but he was getting heat. And, uh, big heat. Big heat. Huge heat. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Mick Foley. I thought that his promos were, were, again, very Mick Foley, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Each one of them have their own flavor and their own way of describing things, and uh, it can be learned a lot from with each one of those there. The reason I bring it up yeah. is because a lot of people will stay mainstream. They'll yep. say rock, they'll yep. say flair, they'll say macho man, and yep. all those guys could very well be put on Absolutely. the Mount Rushmore of greatness. Yeah. But I would think that the more you're in the business and the more that you actually come out from behind the curtain and done your craft and tried your best to work a room, that maybe it makes you appreciate that second tier of guys that work that maybe don't get the commercial rub that a John Cena would get, but you would say, boy, Kevin Owens can really cut a promo. So that's the reason I bring it up is because I think to the naked eye, oh, you know, it's got to be The Rock. It's got to be that guy that's in the main event. But those other guys that come from behind the curtain maybe a little earlier in the show, they're phenomenal as well. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, hard is hard. Doesn't matter where, what, you know, what position on the card they are there. If you're doing something that, that proves to be difficult, then it, you're doing a, a difficult thing. And I will absolutely uh, uh, tip my hat. I will bow down to the greats like The Rock, like, uh, like all of these people that are certainly on many individuals' uh, Mount Rushmore's when it comes to wrestling, and deservedly so. Being that top guy of Stone Cold and and, and Cena, and that's a difficult spot. That is an absolutely difficult spot. I like to think of it sort of like leading, uh, leading stars in a movie and then like the character actors that are supporting them. And those are different jobs. Both of them are very, very needed. Uh, and if one of them is weaker, then the other one, then, you know, you kind of have to fill in those blanks to, to make this project or whatever it is be as good as it possibly can. Ideally, everyone's good at what they have to do. And I think that reflects in wrestling as well. Just like somebody can have the most incredible move ever, uh, most incredible finisher ever, but if that person that they're giving it to doesn't sell it, well, then it's... it's like abs- an RKO. Yeah, like it, I mean... It, oh, Jake the Snake, when Jake sold that RKO however many years ago when they were doing the whole Legend Killer thing, I could you imagine if Jake didn't sell that? Mm. Like it would have just been it would have just been a neutered move, but he knew the best thing for business was selling it like death. And he doesn't look any weaker for doing that. The people in the know just know he's an artist and and sold it exactly like he how, how he should, you know? Without name dropping, I interviewed Bret Hart, and I said, what's the thing you're most proud of in the industry? And I would have thought, oh, you know, eventually the Hall of Fame, maybe even something sentimental like his brother Owen. He said in all of his years he never injured anybody. I knew you were going to say that. Because yeah. I think that's common knowledge, but what makes me intrigued by that is that he still put that on his list of important things to do. 
is that behind the scenes a big part of business? Is, hey, I want to work with this guy, or maybe I don't want to work with this guy because he's sloppy and I might end up breaking my neck here. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, uh, not speaking for all people involved in wrestling uh, uh, or stunts or, or anything like that, but uh, I, I, for myself, I will say I would much rather hurt myself out there somehow than ever hurt the person that I'm working with. Uh, and I think the, a great many people would say that that exact same thing. So it still counts. Absolutely. Oh, of course it does. Of course it does, because the, the the whole purpose of the thing is is for us to, to be able to walk away uh, from this, and, and we're, you know we're putting on that storytelling. But yeah, I never want to hurt anybody. There's no there's no pride in that. AEW has come on the scene over the last couple of years and really raised some eyebrows because this was essentially created by guys in the industry so it's not just a fly by night it's not the xfl of wrestling it's got some traction and now it's got a lot of traction are they here for the long haul i am certainly hoping that they're here for the long haul uh they have so many great workers and i think that uh they're being utilized very well uh i think that the division between the business side of things and then the booking side of things is a very smart one that they are making and I truly hope that they are uh, around for uh, quite a while because they're offering a really exciting thing with really exciting people, too. So. so they go out and they get John Moxley, who, mm-hmm. of course, everybody in WWE circles knows as Dean Ambrose. Um, but it just seems like the, the people that they're bringing over um, are the Marks fans. Like Kenny Omega is yep. another guy. And you sit there and you say to yourself, boy, these are smart signings. They're not just bulk signings and hoping that some mud sticks to the wall. Yeah. It seems like there's some actual thought process going into this. Yeah, and I mean, like all of them, uh, and I, and please correct me if I'm wrong, if, I, if, if, if I'm missing somebody there, but all of them have been such uh, indie darlings and know how to work long-term uh, with everything that they've been doing. They're people that are coming in with a history already, which, in my opinion, is uh, a very much a reflection of some of the most successful times that WWE has had. I mean, we had a couple of years within WWE, and it wasn't on the whole, but there were certainly individuals that I think, for whatever reason, there were certain individuals that made it to what would have been the top based off of either things like physique or... Uh, because they had an in somehow else with uh, with uh, another thing that was not necessarily wrestling. And those people tended to fall by the wayside because they did not have that experience. Somebody like Ted DiBiase, who, when he became the Million Dollar Man, I could be getting these numbers wrong, he had 15 years' experience. And so he didn't have to like learn within that time period of like, oh, how do I wrestle and how do I do all these things, whatever. He was coming in with all that experience, mm-hmm. and all these people that are being brought into AEW either had these like you know you know Jericho and and, and uh, all these other people, or people that have had all of these years in the indie scene are living it every day and now have a place to ply their trade, which I think is great. Yeah. Well, one of the best gimmicks right now, and I, I'm sorry, I was looking at my screen for a second, no. but Orange Cassidy. Oh, oh, it's Red so hot great. right now. So great. <laughs> It's so fantastic. Yeah. The whole hands in the pocket uh, thing is just, I'm there for all of it. I want to, like, if I could send that image to some, like to a wrestling fan, like, even ten, like 10 years ago, like, this is going to be huge. I feel like there would be wrestling fans in there that would be like, what? There's no way. <laughs> and then there would be older wrestling fans that are like, sure, absolutely. For hands in the pocket, huge, over he did, huge. He did a whole sequence with his hands in his pocket. He took two bumps, got up, went off the turnbuckle. Like, it was... I forget what it was. It's just like the last one, Dynamite. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God. It's like, great. I'm in love. Yeah. And uh, what a unique, interesting thing that 
I can't say anybody else is really doing right now, yeah. and it's being booked very well, and again, it's not in that vacuum. I don't think anybody's looking weak as a result of mm -hmm. it. Uh, I think that it's being done very well. Yeah. Okay, so let's finish with managers, mm. because to me, it's the... Um, it's, it's a lot more the glue that holds certain wrestlers together than people would think. So walk me through being a, wrestler, uh, being a wrestler's manager and work. How would I say this? I want you to work the room. Like from your perspective, give it to the listeners right now. You've come out with your wrestler. What makes a good manager? But I want to hear it from a manager's perspective. From a manager's perspective. What are you there? looking for? So, uh, in terms of what, if I'm, when, if I'm watching another person be a manager? Or? Well, you've come out. And, yeah. you know, obviously your guy, yeah. LP, for example, yeah. he's going in, he's doing his thing every once in a while. But, but you've also got to entertain the hundreds that are behind you. Yeah. Or the thousands. Like, from your perspective, how do you know you've had a good night as a manager? Uh, the, the thing about being a manager is, uh, for me anyways, and this is just my own rhetoric on it, I'm sure that there are many fantastic managers out there who might not necessarily agree with me, but we are the window dressing to what it is that is being per put on in the ring. What, the actual story is between these two or however many individuals that are actually in the ring. We are there to facilitate that story, but in, uh, with the exception of very, very uh, outside kind of possibilities, we the, the story is not about us. We are there to cover what needs to be covered. We are there to um, uh, facilitate uh, some angle, literally some angle in some scenarios of what it is that's going on in the ring. The story's not about us. It involves us, but it's not about us. It involves those individuals in the ring. But you have to be really quick on your feet because the fans are engaging with you. And because of the proximity of where the seats are to where you're standing, you've got to engage. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that can be absolutely to uh, uh, the benefit, and it makes my job easier because I can be right there at a certain in at certain times. It makes my job much more difficult because the fans are right there, uh, and they can see everything that I do between putting my briefcase under the ring and stuff like that. How so. quick would you say you are on your feet? Ah, ooh. Sometimes I, I, uh, there's been moments when I've been very quick on my feet. There's uh, been other moments that, you know, we all do it. I'll be like in the shower afterwards, be like, ah. I should have said that. I didn't, why didn't I say that? Okay, that would have been much better. Up. We're going to put you in character right now. Great. All right. So you've come out with your briefcase, the ponytails at full length now. Do it. Uh, and so here we are. We're two fans. And we're going to heckle Christopher Cassidy here, just very briefly. All right? Oh, hit me. I want to yep. see what you're about. Yep. So the wrestling match is going on. Mm -hmm. You're walking around. you got to cut eyes and, you know, looking at people and all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, I, you know, nice suit, Cassidy. Nice suit. I get this from a guy that dragged me in here at 10.53 p.m. That was the best plot that we could possibly fit me in here. And I'm sitting here. I'm drinking organic iced tea, Sicilian lemon and honeysuckle. That's what this guy thought that I deserved. That's what I... I I don't even know where to go with this because I'm in this slipshod bush league, uh, two bits. I'm sitting down here, this chair is squeaking, and you come after me, nice suit. Nice suit. You wish you could have a suit like this. Get out of the way. I came here to see Uncle Daddy Tony Baroni. Oh, you came here to see Uncle Daddy Tony Baroni. Well, you know what? You owe me a couple of dollars more because I'm here now. And not only are you seeing Tony Baroni, but you're also seeing me. If you want to know how to dress, if you want to know how to act, if you want to know how to talk, you have the embodiment of perfection in front of you. But you want to see Tony Baroni. All right, fine. Last one. Ponytails are for women. Ponytails are for women. I, 
Listen, I have these long, flowing locks. Jealousy does not look good on you, my friend, all right? And it's not just on my head. I've got my beard as well. It's coiffed. It's coiffed. I don't know exactly how to pronounce that, but it doesn't matter because I am rocking this right now. How do you do it so quickly? That's the thing is you just start your mouth moving sometimes and just hope it like catches up. <laughs> but what I've noticed <laughs> in the three opportunities is that you're real quick to just flip it right back. So mm. if you so I guess the moral of the story is if you go to local wrestling or wrestling in any matter, yeah. you got to be ready to take it if you're going to dish it. Because well, is that fair to say? That yeah, and I think that it's like I mean it the the I, I, this is not a new thing at all, but. When it comes to the fans, I'm given an opportunity to turn it back on them, uh, and there's all of these resources that are that uh, are available to do that that I can't necessarily do to another wrestler because it's that age-old thing of, I mean, like the Rock is 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 very special when it comes to this. He could he could attack individuals and somebody like Austin could just dish it right back, and so you got these two warring sides, which is fantastic. Um, usually, at least when uh, we have up and coming like managers that talk with me, but like, oh, what should I do out there? Like, remember, if you go out there and you say like, oh, my client is going to beat you because you're a no good, uh, you have no talent, you have no skill, you're never going to win anything, you're weak, whatever. If your guy beats that guy or gal or whoever, so they beat a no talent, you know, piece of garbage person that has no skill or whatever, like it means nothing. And if your client gets beaten by a no talent, all those things, then what does that say about your person? So tearing down another individual doesn't help you out. But a lot of people get into wrestling, uh, I think, I, and want to be a heel. They're like, oh, I got all this ammo. I'm just going to like take my, my, this, this guy apart. What does that say about you? When it comes to fans, I can go after the fans because there's no opportunity for them to come back at me as long as I've dealt with them so, somehow. That's all that they can really do, you know? They'll remember that conversation with you as much, if not more, than the match in the yeah. ring because they've engaged. They've, they've, yeah. they've touched the wall, so yeah. to speak, and even, really cool. Uh, you know, because there certainly has been times when I've fallen flat on my face and somebody comes back with a good zinger, and I'd just be like, well, that's pretty good. Like, that's, that's great. So you'll actually break from kayfabe and be like, oh, that's pretty good. No, I can't do it. I cannot do it there. But they can, uh, like, I, they can I've, tell. There's a smirk or oh, a wink or something I've, like that. One of my favorite, like, I think it was the first uh, Commodore uh, that I, like, biffed it on the outside of the ring. Like, I just hardcore, I was wearing these, like, these dress <laughs> shoes, and I just, I had no intention of doing so, and I just fell. I just fell. Uh, and people knew that I just fell, so I had to kind of get up. But as as a heel, you can do that and have egg on your face, and it's okay. Yeah. It's totally okay. As a face, we're trying to avoid that. We're trying yeah. to avoid it as much as possible. So even if somebody gets one up on me, well, then great. Like, they, they can feel good about that, you know? It's so fantastic to have this conversation. I could have done this for three more hours, but, Chris, I'm going to cut it short. Thank you for coming in because, to be honest with you, to me, good radio is good stories, and you tell a wicked story. And I've learned, I actually learned some stuff in the last hour. Thank you, man. For Thank you so me much for having me. It's been night. an absolute pleasure. There he is, Mike Kovac, also known as the great Christopher Cassidy, a part of our NEW family. Tickets going on sale on, uh, I will just say next week for now. But more than anything, go to nationextremewrestling.com for all the latest information. And you can also subscribe to the mailing list, which gives you advance notice on ticket sales, deals, merch, all of that stuff. Please subscribe. 
and become a part of that uh, mailing list as well. All right, let's wrap up the show. My thanks to Jay Swing, my brother from another. My thanks to everybody over at Equity Guru, including Chris Perry, Galen, Asan, JP Chung, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until we do this again tomorrow for your Friday edition of Sports Bar Radio, I am Rob Fay. Have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.